Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. began this podcasting trip a year and a half ago at the request of someone, I went into it with an open mind as to what I would be going through, what I'd be dealing with as far as stories go. But the more I look, the more I find, and the more I find, the more fascinated I get into it. For instance, we're coming up on Halloween. This should air on Halloween. And when I first got into it, I did not want to do a simple ghost story show simply because my producer was doing a ghost story show and he was doing a great job of it and that was okay. I didn't want to I didn't want to duplicate what he had already succeeded in. <clears throat> so I said, "Well, let's call it Terry's mysterious moments because there are some mysterious things that go on out there such as cryptids and and uh, areas that are strange, forests and parks and things that are just kind of weird. Stuff happens. So let's just go ahead and do a Stuff Happens show. Well, 
I've come to understand that ghost stories can be just as mysterious as Bigfoot sightings or UFO sightings or anything like that. So I've chosen a couple or three for Halloween that just might fit the bill. If you've been around the paranormal as far as interest in it for any length of time, you've probably heard this story before. I I liken it to the story of Charlotte's Web. If you have ever heard that story, if you ever seen the movie, read the book, you know that this spider was trying to save the life of a pig owned by a farmer and thus would put miraculous words in her web over the pig pen. In doing so, really raised the status of this one pig. And it was it was quite the drama when the spider came to the end of her life because spiders don't live forever. Even Aragog died. This story is one of those kind of miraculous stories that you just don't really hear too much about. So let's get into it, shall we? All John Mutkowski wanted was a nice little house in a quiet neighborhood. He thought he had found it until the ghost writer moved in. That's ghost writer. W-R-I-T-E-R. Not R-I-D-E-R. The ghost writer moved in. Mount Washington is a hillside neighborhood of tree-lined streets and turn-of-the-century homes just minutes from the steel towers and the gridlock of downtown Los Angeles. In a city of tract housing and disposable strip malls, Mount Washington is unique, and when John Matkowski found a rustic cabin there, he knew he was home. It was fitting, he thought, that the house was on Future Street. John Matkowski moved into his dream house in 1985. Almost from the beginning, he remembers hearing strange sounds. But the house was old, and John figured that the sounds were just the normal creaking and groaning of aging floorboards and lath walls. Sometimes, though, late at night, he would feel a strange tingling sensation along his arms and neck. But the house was drafty. It was easy to dismiss the feeling as part of the price you pay for living in a house built in 1906. Then, in 1990, the sounds and the sensations intensified. John began to feel the presence. He would catch the barest glimpse of a shadow out of the corner of his eye, but when he turned his head, the shadow would be gone. There were loud bangs coming from a back room, but when John went to investigate, there was never anything there. He said, I felt sort of a sunburn on my arms. It was tingly, like a sunburn. That's how I would know I, that there was some kind of a presence there, John recalls. Friends felt the presence, too. The Mount Washington cabin was a favorite spot for weekend barbecues, and one lazy summer afternoon, the presence crashed the party. John felt the now familiar sensation of sunburn, and then, for no apparent reason, a blue porcelain salad bowl exploded nearby. Later, John would contact the manufacturer of the bowl, but the company could offer no explanation on how the bowl could have just shattered into dust like it did. Soon after that barbecue, though, John Mikowski rented out part of his house to his friend John Huckert. 
or Huckert, as the case may be. Almost immediately, Huckert began to hear strange noises. He saw the free-floating shadows moving across the floor, the desk, and the living room wall. Then he felt the presence reach out of its world and into his. I was reading something at the desk, he said, and I felt someone come up and place a hand on my shoulder. Of course, I turned around to see who it was, and nobody was there. I got sort of a jolt of adrenaline. It made me nervous, but I wasn't exactly sure what I what it was. But I, when I tried to mask out all the possibilities for what could be causing it, there was nothing causing it. The two Johns were at once frightened and intrigued. The presence didn't appear to be trying to hurt them, only to get their attention. The more open the two became to the possibility that there was a ghostly presence in their house, the more the ghost made its presence known. John Huckert was the first to see the ghost in its human form. I've seen this older man standing over near the couch, he says. I've seen him for hardly a tangible instant, and then when I blink, he's not there anymore. These fleeting glances, strange sensations, and odd sounds were the only evidence of the ghost presence until John Huckert received a Christmas present in 1991 that would change everything. His father gave him a Polaroid instant camera. That camera would produce some of the best evidence of a ghost ever photographed. Huckert took a few pictures of his family around the Christmas tree in Maryland and returned to Los Angeles with half of a cartridge of film still in the camera. He shot a few pictures around the house to show Matkowski how the camera worked. All the pictures were clear, focused, and completely unextraordinary. Then, in early March, Huckert got the, the familiar feeling on the back of his neck that told him the ghost was nearby. I suddenly felt a sense of anxiety, he remembers. I'm not sure how to describe it, but I just felt this strange feeling, and I got up and took a picture of the room. Nothing happened. So I thought, well, that was really stupid. Then the bathroom door opened by itself. I took a picture of the bathroom door and got this really strange looking thing that was either scary or comical, depends on the way you look at it. John came home and he took one and then I took a couple more and we got four photos that day. It seemed unlikely that the same camera that had taken pictures of the Huckert family's Christmas was now chronicling the appearance of a ghost. The two Johns suspected the film was defective, so they bought a fresh cartridge of film and tried it. But the ghostly images continued to appear. It happened over and over at all hours of the day and night, but only when the ghost wanted to appear. We had people over waiting for the ghost to say, isn't he here yet? Isn't he here yet? And he was never there. I guess he didn't want to do parlor tricks. He wasn't here to perform for us. He was here to inspire us, says Huckert. John Mikowski showed several of the pictures to his friends at a professional photo lab in Los Angeles. They could not explain how the images had gotten on the film. They made negatives from the instant prints and examined them closely. It did not appear to be a malfunction within the camera. Still, many of the friends who visited the Mount Washington home 
remained skeptical about the authenticity of the photographs. When Ross Harpold came to the house for a party, he looked at the photos but remained unconvinced. Laughingly, Ross asked Huckert if the ghost was with him now. Huckert answered honestly that he didn't know. So Ross picked up the camera and asked, Are you here? and snapped a picture. As the picture developed, the faint outlines of a word began to appear in the photograph. The word was, Yes. John Makowski asked, What is your name? and snapped his own picture. Clearly and boldly, across the face of the photograph, the word right appeared. W-R-I-G-H-T. He told us his name was right, but we still didn't believe it. We continued asking questions to the middle of the air in the living room. We asked if he was a good ghost or a bad ghost, just really inane questions to begin with. He answered, friend. In the months that followed, John Mikowski and John Huckert took nearly a hundred photographs on which ghostwriting appeared. Usually the response was in English. Sometimes it appeared in Latin, but it was always a direct answer to a direct question. In response to the question, where do you go when you're not here? The answer was, flux, F-L-U-X. When they asked who Wright was, he replied in Latin, et alia corpus delicti, meaning, basically, among other things, a murder victim. In September of 1992, John Makowski asked for help with the bizarre photographs. He asked for help in determining what was causing the inexplicable phenomena. There was assembled an investigative team led by Kerry Gaynor, the noted UCLA parapsychologist, and Edson Williams, a photo analyst from the prestigious Brooks Institute in Santa Barbara, California. Both researchers examined the photographs, interviewed Makowski and Huckert, and determined that the best way to study the ghostwriter was to conduct a series of controlled experiments inside the Mount Washington house. The team brought four Polaroid instant cameras and several sealed film cartridges shipped directly from Polaroid to the house. Each camera and each cartridge was logged and monitored to try to eliminate the possibility that someone was perpetrating a hoax. John Mikowski was concerned that the ghostwriter would not appear in this kind of crowded, expectant atmosphere. Several test shots were taken, and no writing appeared. Kerry Gaynor was openly skeptical. After more than 400 ghost investigations, Kerry was no stranger to wild goose chases. In my line of work, we spend a great deal of time waiting and watching and wondering and hoping. We don't experience phenomena very often, but when something happens, it's exciting. It's a moment of connectedness with the unknown, says Gaynor. That moment of connectedness came several hours into the investigation. Marty Elkan, a friend of John Makowski's who had had several successful communications with the ghostwriter, posed a question. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Are most spirits good spirits or bad spirits, Marty asked. As the film developed in the presence of the entire team, a cryptic message appeared. There are numerous remedial lemurs. A lemur is a long-tailed monkey found mostly in Madagascar. Was the ghost writer playing a practical joke? John Huckert found the answer in a Latin dictionary. In Roman mythology, lemurs are the night-walking spirits of the dead. The excitement in the room was palpable. Nervous laughter masked the tension. Carrie Gaynor was impressed, after all, but wanted further controls. Carrie said, you have to establish a chain of evidence. You have to be able to observe the phenomenon from the beginning to the end. So, we have to load the film from a sealed pack, show that it's our camera. We have to fire it. We have to control the film as it comes out. Following Carrie's suggestions, the team trained one of its video cameras on a new Polaroid brought into the house by photographic expert Edson Williams. A sealed film package was opened and a new cartridge was inserted directly into the Polaroid. A member of the team posed the question, Are you here for John or for the house? The picture was taken. It was placed on a table in full view. After 30 seconds, a message appeared. Genius loci. Carrie Gaynor looked up the word in the Latin dictionary. The exact translation of genius loci is the guardian spirit of a man or a place. More pictures were taken in the same manner. The messages alternated between English, such as time travel, anything is possible, John, relax and learn, and Latin ad literum. Edson Williams had never seen anything like it in his 20 years as a photo analyst. I actually watched them eject out of the Polaroid. There was a moment when I thought, oh my god, and I was in one of the Polaroids, which made it even spookier. It made me feel like there could be something in the house. Near the conclusion of the night-long investigation, Marty Elkan asked, right? Will you be with him for a long time? The ghostwriter replied, said haec prius fuere, liberally translated from my terrible Latin, it means, all this is over now. It was the last message the ghostwriter would ever send. After the field investigation, Edson Williams brought many of the photographs back to the Brooks Institute for analysis. Using a digital scanner, he was able to move in on the ghostwriting and noticed that there appeared to be individual fibers in the text. He concluded that the writing might have been created by using pulled strands of cotton. In his laboratory, Williams attempted to duplicate the ghostwriting. The initial step was to shoot pulled cotton with the 4x5 camera using E6 film. The next step was to pre-expose the Polaroid film. I move, removed the cover sheet of the Polaroid pack, inserted the transparency, 
and expose the Polaroid to the text. I then removed the transparency, reinserted the cover sheet, and loaded the film normally. Using this method, Edson Williams was able to duplicate the ghostwriting. However, his method took over an hour to complete and required manipulation of the film, which would have been impossible to hide. Howard Warzel, a photograph analyst at Polaroid's corporate headquarters in Waltham, Massachusetts, was also at a loss to offer a scientific explanation for the ghostwriting. We have never encountered this phenomenon, and we've been selling film for 50 years now to billions of customers, Wurzel said. Parapsychologist Kerry Gaynor concurred, I have personally have never come across anything like this in the 20 years that I've been doing research. I'm quite familiar with the literature. While the psychic investigation continued, world-renowned psychic Peter James was contacted and was asked to visit the house and give his psychic impressions of the place. Peter has a long history of exploring and documenting cases of hauntings that are not understood by science, but he also has been involved in cases he has exposed as obvious frauds. At first, Peter was also skeptical about the ghostwriter. In all my years of delving into the paranormal world, I have never seen an entity present itself in this fashion. But I will say that all things are possible, Peter remarked before entering the house. Once inside, though, says, however, the feeling that he was not alone was instantaneous. His legs began to shake. He felt a vibration through his body that Peter claims to get when he is in the presence of spirits. He also began to receive several names telepathically. I received the name Gilbert. There was a Robert. Amelia is throughout. I am getting an essence of all three of those names vibrationally, Peter told the assembled group. The two Johns were awestruck. They had already researched the names of the home's previous owners. They had not showed this to anyone, especially Peter James. And yet Peter had correctly named Gilbert, Robert, and Amelia, three of the names on the list. Peter did not think that any of those people were the ghostwriter. As he walked around the house, Peter stopped in one spot he called a spiritual vortex, a kind of doorway through which he feels spirits were entering and leaving the house. I feel a very strong vibration. Something is definitely coming up from the floor, he reported. I get a tingling sensation. It's also very cold here. My legs are trembling. It feels like somebody is coming from below and it's going through my entire body. John Makowski snapped several pictures of Peter James standing in the vortex. Strange ghostly images appeared to surround him. Peter felt two distinct spirits at this time. One he described as a spirit of an Indian tribe that had once used the land surrounding the house as a kiva or ceremonial center. The kiva is a, a hole that is either dug or prepared for ritual usage and you go down into the kiva it's covered and they they do their spiritual rituals down in there the other spirit he described was that of a man who had been murdered and could be buried under the house after peter james psychic reading john metkowski and john huckert decided to investigate peter's theories they began to dig small test holes throughout their hillside property. 
In one of these holes, they made an amazing discovery. Shards of pottery that appeared to be Native American in origin. An archaeologist from the nearby Southwest Museum examined the site and found the artifacts significant enough to warrant a larger dig on the site. It was proved to Mark Matkowski and Huckert that Peter James had been right about the kiva. As for the body under the house, the men have no doubt that it will that it is there, but digging for it would be impossible without moving the house. Perhaps it is for the best. Years of living with Wright have made the two Johns philosophical. They know that when the ghostwriter feels the time is right, he will appear again. Now ghost photos have for a long time been with us ever since the invention of photography. That was one of the first things they jumped into as the sideline. In the late 1800s, understanding of camera technology was rudimentary and something as simple as a double exposure could easily fool the general public. The first known ghost photograph is the famous Lincoln photograph, which is the shadowy form of Abraham Lincoln apparently standing behind his widow, Mary Todd Lincoln. And it was ruled a hoax in the early 1900s. And today, with advanced technology and computer scanners, legitimate ghost photos are extremely rare. There was an attempt by one of the uh, people who was in the investigative group, a man named Michael Weber, who was listed as one of the best close-up magicians in the world, said he could duplicate the ghostwriting phenomenon, and I kind of doubt it, but he did in a closed studio in the presence of several other people Weber was able to produce a photo with the words we are here printed across the front however Weber was quick to point out that his ability to duplicate the ghostwriting did not disprove that it could have been caused by supernatural forces it only proved that the same phenomenon could be reproduced under similar circumstances. Weber reviewed the videotapes shot inside the house and said he did not notice any of the trademark movements called tells that would have been indicated that either Matkowski or Huckert was a professional magician. Well, that's about all I have for this week. I hope you enjoy this one. I enjoyed bringing it to you. And please... Remember that on Mondays you listen to Aaron Hunter as he presents listener stories or interviews on Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. You listen on Tuesday to Aaron Frail as he does Aaron's Horror Show. You listen on Wednesdays for me with Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on occasional Thursdays you get to listen to Patrick Sean Jones as he presents the Sandman Lullaby. Of course, you can go to your app store, be it Apple or Android, and look for the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast app for your phones or tablets. You can download that, and that way you don't have to go searching for our shows. They'll be in one place. So, remember all that. You can contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, even if you just want to say hi, that's fine. If you want to tell me a story that I can relate, I'll do that too. I'd love to hear stories from the listeners. 
I would love to tell the stories from the listeners. So we'll talk to you next time, okay? Bye-bye.